morning. Happy Sabbath. Uh, I want to welcome you in person. Welcome those who are joining us online. My name is Russell Atkins. I'm filling in for Tim. Uh, he is in Virginia now. Um, let's begin with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for day of life, day of rest. Um, I want to thank you for this class, what it's mean, meant to me uh, and to the rest of the group. Uh, I ask that your Holy Spirit join us now, that you guide us as we start a new quarter on a uh, mis- widely misunderstood topic, uh, the topic of death and dying in the end times. Uh, I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're doing lesson one, fourth quarter, um, entitled, uh, hmm, what is it entitled? On Death, Dying, and a Future Hope. Okay, from the lesson introduction. God created human beings to enjoy eternity in a loving relationship with him and his creation. But this relationship was distorted by the mysterious appearance of sin within the heavenly courts and the subsequent fall of Adam and Eve. Um, I want to affirm the lesson. uh, And one of the the unique things that I found about Adventism is we, while we're not unique in our understanding the great controversy perspective we i think we have a better uh, better explanation and and understanding of the the origins of sin the origins of evil uh than many other christian christian denominations and um lots of people kind of get this myopic well th- things started on earth why did eve take the fruit why did she give it to her husband why 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 but we have to we we have to go back and remember that sin began in the courts of heaven in the very presence of god himself um and then they quote a um a quote from uh emil bruner a swiss theologian as mortal human beings we need the assurance in the present and hope for the future what oxygen is for the lungs such as hope for the meaning of human life take oxygen away and death occurs through suffocation okay what law oh, law of respiration design law you breathe there's life we're free to stop breathing we're free to tie a plastic bag over our heads we're free to submerge ourselves in water but then breathing ceases and ultimately death occurs take hope away and humanity is constricted through lack of breath despair supervenes spelling the paralysis of intellectual and spiritual powers by a feeling of senselessness and purposelessness of existence as the fate of the human organism is dependent on the supply of oxygen so the fate of humanity is dependent on the supply of hope indeed the biblical hope sustains us during the existential crisis we face in our journey toward eternity um and i i I think this is very well said and uh, the lesson takes great pains to trace the origins of sin and the origins of death back to its originator lucifer the the first of creation um sabbath lesson how you have the memory text how you have fallen you star of the morning son of the dawn you have been cut down to earth you who defeated the nations again from the lesson many thinkers have tried to explain the origin of evil and some suggest that evil has always existed in in their view good can only be appreciated in contrast to evil is that true 
I don't think so. Uh, I think it it does certainly contrast evil, but I don't think it can't only be appreciated in contrast to evil. Before sin, did they have evil to uh, contrast with? No, there, there was only good. And they, they yes, exactly. Uh, others believe the world was created perfect, but somehow evil emerged. For example, in Greek mythology, evil started when the curious Pandora opened a sealed box out of which flew all the evils in the world. This myth, however, doesn't explain how the evils came to be in the box in the first place. By contrast, the Bible teaches that our loving God is all-powerful and perfect, and all that he does must likewise be perfect, which includes how he created the world. Again, which law ends? How does how would God how does God create? In harmony with his character or out of harmony with his character? In harmony. Yeah, it has to, has to be. <clears throat> so if his character is love, he creates life to operate around protocols of love. And we've we've examined those uh, and we'll, we'll we're going to unpack a few of them later this morning <clears throat> how then could evil and sin appear in a perfect world according to genesis 3 fall of an adam and eve brought sin evil and death here but that answer raises another issue even before the fall evil had already existed manifested by the quote serpent who was on the earth uh in in a perfect creation who deceived eve hence we need to go back even before the fall in order to find the source and origins of evil that so dominates our present existence and at times makes things pretty miserable. Again, this is well said. So let's think a little bit. Um, this, this quarter is going to be on death, on dying, uh, future hope. What is death? How would we, how would we define death? Sleep. That's one. That's one definition. Which death? Which death? Okay, good question. Which death? The the scripture define death differently. How many? How many types of death are descri- are described in Christian in uh, scripture? Two. At least two. I would submit three, because I think Christ's death was unique in all of all of history. His death destroyed death. Let that get your mind around that. Why didn't uh, Why didn't Lucifer die as soon as he rebelled? Ever wondered about that? I have. Or why didn't he die as soon as he was cast out of the presence of God, out of out of the presence of the only source of life in the universe? God's grace. Okay. And also the other worlds and the angels needed to have a God they could trust, and if God had killed Satan at that time, then they wouldn't be able to trust him, because if you do wrong, he kills you. Well, I'm, I'm not... Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, if God had killed Satan. But God doesn't kill. So you're saying, what if Satan died naturally? Satan separated... Satan had to be separated from the, the only source of life. In the universe, but sin had to be carried out. God had to allow sin to be carried out for the other creations to understand that He is a loving God. Okay, so that that's uh, okay. Good, I, and I agree with that. That's a different argument. Um, 
the uh, later in the lesson, the, in fact, Friday's lessons, it's recommended that we read uh, for further further reading, read a chapter in Patriarchs and Prophets called Why Was Sin Permitted? It's a fantastic chapter, a brilliant chapter, uh, and and gives us some great insights to the um, some of the big issues that God had to deal with when when Lucifer rebelled. Yes, sir. God has to sustain life. And it's one of the most amazing things that he continued to sustain Lucifer's life, even though Lucifer had rebelled and was enticing other people to rebel. But it was because of his love for his entire creation that he did, so that Lucifer's mask could be torn away in front of the entire universe, including people here on Earth, his creation. Okay, good. So, sentient, free, intelligent beings, the, the unfallen angels in heaven, whose minds, who, who didn't join Lucifer in rebellion, but still had questions in their mind because they loved Lucifer. They had friends that that were now cast out of heaven, and they didn't uh, they didn't have any uh, or had limited, if any, contact with. They they had questions remaining, and so this brings this brings us to the point of Sunday's lessons. A nice segue. Um, it's this is entitled creation and and expression of love. Or maybe it's an expression of love. I may have typed and. I have a question. Uh, go ahead. If God allowed uh, sin to exist in the beginning, by free choice, but when New Jerusalem, New Heaven, New Earth, whatever is created, sin will never rise again, does that mean that he's going to prevent people from sinning again? Or what? Because we have experienced sin, we know the torture and stuff of it, we won't want to? Uh, I think that's uh, that's a better answer than your your second one. Um, <clears throat> the experiment of sin in the universe is inoculating yeah. the universe. That's, okay, that's good. Um, at the from the time this uh, Lucifer and his uh, his uh, followers were expelled from heaven. From that time up until Calvary, there were intelligent beings in other other worlds and in heaven had questions. They had questions about, was Lucifer right? These humans have followed him, uh, but maybe... Maybe God, maybe God doesn't give us free will. Maybe God does impose His laws on us. Maybe, maybe He was correct. But up until the point when Christ, when God Himself, God with us, Emmanuel. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Up until He was crucified on a cross, they had questions. At that point, Satan's character was fully revealed. As a murderer from the beginning, the 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 intelligent beings saw what what life would actually look like if he was their their governor and their object of worship. Okay, the only intelligent beings left in the in the universe to make a decision was mankind, and for the nearly two thousand years since 
since then, people have been making up their minds. And for the 4,000 or however many before that, people have been anticipating and making up their minds. So, the whole point, the whole point of, back to your, back to the original um, question about why, why didn't, why wasn't sin eradicated from the beginning, uh, from its very get-go. God doesn't, God doesn't just make proclamations and say, um, stop doing X because I said so. He, if questions arise, he gives evidence. And he leaves us free to, to examine the evidence. And he encourages us to ask him questions. He encourages us to ask him difficult questions. Come and reason. Let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. It's where we get our uh, ministry's name from. That That reasoning and wrestling with big ideas and... Questioning, uh, questioning God Himself. He doesn't get offended by that. In fact, there's something, there's something internal that happens with us that's, that's, um, beneficial. It's restorative. So God, God provided evidence. Lucifer alleged equality with the being we know as Jesus of Nazareth, the being the angels knew as Michael. Okay, we, we've we've been over this multiple times. We'll we'll unpack it again. In the in the in the Godhead, there there's in they're infinite. Infinite created beings are finite, and uh, I believe that that the being that angels knew as Michael, the being we knew as Je- we know as Jesus, has always been the being to leave infinity and enter linear time to interact with creation. So the angels. Knew their commander as Michael. He, he was the archangel, and Lucifer was a covering cherub. And because the angels interacted with Michael as an angel, there may—I'm sure there were many who thought he was an angel. And it wasn't until Lucifer and, and Lucifer thought he was an angel too, obviously, because he he alleged equality and why why does god prefer michael to these councils uh and and i'm not uh i'm not invited i have i have thoughts i have things to offer and it, it, in ellen white's uh, somewhere in her writing she says that after he began his rebellion the heavenly host was brought together and god laid out Michael is not an angel. Michael is is the son of God. He is he is one with me in the Holy Spirit. Um, the the angels had to be informed of that, and Lucifer continued his rebellion and allegations of equality. So God said, "All right, <clears throat> leave leave heaven. If you allege equality, go to this corner of the universe. Let's see." Let's see you create. Let's see what you can do. Yes, ma'am. A thought that was new to me was that God had met with Satan more than once trying to talk to him and convince him that he's going the wrong path. 
Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, there, there are a few quotes in, in in this week's lesson about God repeatedly intervening, and and uh, that Satan himself didn't understand the the eventual trajectory of where his uh, his thoughts and his uh, actions were were leading. Did you have a question? Okay, you just waving. <laughs> If you have a question, feel free to ask. We answer them all. Um, yeah, so so um, it, what loving parent wouldn't uh, try to um, intervene with a wayward child who, who's trying, who's on a path uh, to eventual self destruction? Of course he, of course he did, and. I, I, I'm pretty sure that, uh, Michael tried to intervene. The Holy Spirit tried to intervene and the other, other angels that eventually didn't fall tried to intervene. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Uh, creation and expression of love. We can easily, I mean, we easily see two antagonistic principles and two antagonistic governments at work in the world today. I mean, we can see the, we can still see uh, the hand of God in nature, the continuous giving, cycle of giving, even with death and dying. Okay, understand that death, death had no, no place in the original creation, not even a blade of grass. But even, even with death and decay, there's a cycle, carbon molecule cycles from death to life, from death to life, continuous cycle of carbon. You see the same thing with the uh, the water cycle. Water evaporates from from the uh, the big bodies of water. Uh, some estimates that are trillion gallons or, or no trillion tons a week evaporate from from the seas up into the clouds. Clouds rain down over the land. Rivers, streams, creeks, and streams take it back to the big bodies of water. Cycle of water. Oxygen cycle with breathing. Plants take our carbon dioxide, use it, give off oxygen. We use the oxygen. Continuous giving. And back to our original uh, respiration. We can, we're, free to, we're free to stop that. We're free to hoard our carbon dioxide if we want. But when you break the cycle of giving, the only thing that happens is death. So before mankind fell, the first couple was uh, instructed about consuming the forbidden fruit. Uh, Genesis 2.17, you shall surely die. And the literal translation from Hebrew is dying, you shall die. How many of you heard that before? If if you've been in this class, you've heard this before. Dying, you shall die. So obviously Eve didn't die the instant she tasted the fruit. Neither did Adam when she gave it to him. But did they begin the process of dying that day? Yes, they did. This is a quote from Ministry Magazine. Consider a classic example in the final phrase of Genesis 2.17. Quote, but of, the true, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of, you shall surely die. The Hebrew text uses an idiomatic construction literally translated, dying you shall die. Members and students figure out such literal translations and come running to the pastor with questions. And some have even asked me if this phrase indicates that Adam and Eve began dying that very day, even though they did not finish dying that day. 
Others wonder if it might be a descriptive warning akin to a parent telling a child, if you touch the fire, you will get burned. And still others suspect it should be understood as a divine announcement disclosing an enforceable penalty. So, which of those three is the most rational one based on the understanding of design law? What was the first one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some asked if the phrase indicates that Adam and Eve began dying that day, even if they did not finish dying that same day. Yeah. Yes. That's the most rational one. Okay. Well, what what was the first indication that they were dying? They thought they were naked. Thank you. The the their clothing of light disappeared. They saw themselves as naked, and they tried to fashion leaves together to cover themselves. I put a link to the article, um, the entire article, the Dying You Shall Die, Ministry Magazine. This is from 2011. Um, check it out and consider what law lens the author is uh, coming from. Clearly, they didn't die. Why didn't they die instantly? What, uh, what, pre- what prevented their instant death? Did God intervene in some way to, to prevent their instant consumption, their destruction? Why didn't why didn't they die instantly? Thoughts? He was still eating from the tree of life. No, no, they didn't eat from the tree of life once he sinned. I think the tree of life was. I think the function of the tree of life was to prevent aging. It wouldn't prevent um, it wouldn't have prevented death from drowning. It wouldn't have prevented death from beheading. It wouldn't have prevented death from falling off of a cliff. The, the tree of life was to prevent the the death from an aging process. That, that's my understanding of the function of the tree of life. And at that time, at, at, at that day that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, the tree of life was still in the garden. It was subsequently removed. Because Satan had hoped that he could tempt the couple to fall, and they would still have access to the tree of life, and then he would have immortal sinners. Yes, sir? I think, you know, the fact that they didn't die instantly is goes right into design law, because... If it would have been an instant death, then God would have had to do something to punish them. But because it was a natural consequence of the breaking of the trust, then natural decaying process ensued, which goes into a design law picture versus a punishment picture for your sin. Yeah, I like like where you're heading with that. I think it's the same reason that God didn't destroy Satan, or or God didn't didn't immediately withdraw his life-giving force from from Lucifer uh, when Lucifer fell. There were, and consider some of the differences between Lucifer's fall and Adam and Eve's fall. Why did Adam and Eve fall? They believed a lie. They distrusted. They distrusted God. So the belief in a lie breaks the circle of love and trust, leads to self-protective measures, which we understand as sin. Why did Lucifer fall? Because he wanted to be like God. Okay. Jealousy or? Pride, envy. 
Selfishness. Well, I think that's one of the great mysteries, too, right? Yeah. It is. It's the mystery of iniquity. There's no explanation for sin. We'll get that. We'll get into that, and I think Wednesday or Thursday's lesson. But think about. So Adam and Eve did not yet know. They had not yet. They hadn't spent enough time to develop to develop their character. In fact, that was what the point of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was. It was there for their character development, for them to exercise their free will choice, to trust God and not taste the fruit, and develop the character to where eventually they wouldn't even be tempted by it. When Lucifer sinned, he was in the presence of unveiled godly glory. Uh, inspired writing tells us to, to Lucifer as no other being were revealed the truths about God's love and his character. Lucifer knew as much as any finite being could know about the character uh, of, of God himself. He couldn't enter infinity. He couldn't approach, approach that, but for any, any created being, he was the, he was the pinnacle of understanding of, of God's love and, and goodness. So wh- what what more could God have done to to win Lucifer back to trust? What what greater what greater love could have been shown Lucifer? What what greater kindness and forgiveness could have been extended to him? None. Well, there was a question in the back. Adam and Eve they didn't die because of the plan of salvation that was before the world was created. Okay, and that's yeah. Well, well, you're you're a step ahead of me. That's that's correct. They seen God, you know. Right. So so Lucifer, there was nothing more that could have been done to save Lucifer. He he chose he chose his own path. God couldn't have done anything more. However, Adam and Eve had believed a lie. There was a there was going to yet be a means to restore them back to. Um, to love and trust, to restore them back to the original design nobility. So God God restrained himself. He intervened. He, he veiled his own glory to keep them from being consumed. How else did he intervene? Some big interventions that God God did in order that our first parents would would have an adequate chance for restoration, and subsequent generations would also have a chance. How else did he intervene? Well, he put enmity in between the serpent and. Okay, good. He he intervened in in now corrupted humanity. He said, "I will put enmity between your seed and the woman's seed." He's telling us to the, uh, the serpent in Genesis three fifteen. Intervened by sending his son, Christ. Okay. And and or coming in person. I mean, God Himself died on the cross that day. How else did He intervene? Or how else is He intervening? I mean, He's still intervening. He's holding back the winds of strife. Thank you. He's still holding back the the the, the four winds of destruction until until something happens. What what's what's yet to happen? The gospel. He told to the whole world the true gospel. And? The character of Christ revealed to his people. Yeah. Until people are sealed. Yep. They're sealed into two different groups. Those in harmony with his 
ways and methods in government and those at war with them. Right now, there are three groups on earth. There, there are people right now who are so sealed in the truth they can't be moved. There are people here who are so sealed in the lie that they can't be moved. Well, we talk about the gospel going to the world. Did anybody notice in the lesson where it says 66% of the world's population are waiting for the experience of the refreshing news about Jesus? We thought that the gospel has almost been completed to the world. This is 66% of the world has not yet. What, do they quote a source for that? I did. I actually didn't see that. Um, I don't know where they come up with two-thirds. Reach the 66% of the world's population who are still waiting to experience the refreshing news about Jesus. It talks about missions. You're ongoing giving to the missions, Advent missions. That, that surprised me. It's not in the lesson. It's in the no, it's in this part. It's the opening part. An advertisement. Yeah. An advertisement. Okay. For There are a lot of people in the universe, in the world, that have heard about Jesus. Yeah. But how many have heard about the design law, yeah. Jesus? Yeah. Which Jesus have they heard about? Right. Well, love me or I'll kill you, Jesus. And I think that would be a higher percentage. Yeah, I think it's more. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. It, it may be approaching 90% that haven't heard about the actual Jesus. Amen. Well, and this is another thought, though. I mean, there's been people in history that have never heard of Jesus and have died, but they lived laws, design law principles they saw in nature. Yeah. So as we're approaching the end of time, there's still going to be, in my opinion, a group of people who are living life through the design law principle. They don't need to hear the word of Jesus. What we need to do is make sure we're presenting the right picture of Jesus to all who will listen. I, I think that's well said. In fact, uh, I, there's this passage in <clears throat> see the Zechariah or Ezekiel. I get those two mixed up uh, often. I don't have Tim's photographic memory. But there will be people, it's, it's states, I'm paraphrasing, it states that people will come up to Jesus in heaven and say, well, I, where'd you get the marks in your hands? And he says, oh, I got them at the house of my friends. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's accurate that there may be people in heaven who look at Jesus and say, hey, who are you? Where'd you get those scars in your hands? So they've been living up to the light that they've been given. They, they are observant of God's design law and nature. Romans 1, 20, uh, all things uh, about God can be seen through what's been made, his, uh, his invisible qualities, his power. Uh, so, and, and also in Romans, those who have not heard the law but do the things uh, required by the law are functioning as a law unto themselves. <coughs> So they, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with your point 100%. That there, are, there are folks uh, from all nature, from all religions, from all cultures, all nations that may not know the name of Jesus or Joshua or how. What, what. Well, then are we causing more harm to give our offering to potential mission groups who are teaching a picture of Jesus that we may not agree with? Yeah, oh, I think we are. I don't think there's any question that we are. So thank goodness there's 66.5%. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and that's after 150 years of 
of advancing light. Yeah, exactly. How quickly and what percentage of the world was affected in the last two and a half years with that pandemic message. Oh, yeah. Excellent points. So I think that I mentioned, I wrote down one other intervention. So we talked about he intervened to uh, veil his glory so they weren't immediately destroyed. <clears throat> he intervened in the now corrupted humanity by placing enmity between the offspring of Adam and Eve and, and Lucifer. He intervened in nature itself, uh, certainly after the flood, by putting a fear of the animals, um, fear of man in the animals. Genesis 9 2. He intervened in the powers, uh, restraining the powers of darkness from revelation. Okay. <laughs> Is it that he intervened and made it possible for us to have our characters reproduced? in him i call that an intervention absolutely that and and he intervened by give, gifting humanity the first death that we understand the death of sleep okay have you ever thought of death as a gift <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's hard to do when when a parent dies or worse when a child dies it's hard to understand that as a gift. It's really, really difficult. I've buried both my parents, and I could, I could um, pay homage to it. I, I could, I could verbally, I could, I could understand it on an objective level, but on an emotional level, it was quite different. It was difficult. Think about. Okay, so go back to the antediluvians before the flood. People were living 800, 900 years, close to a millennium. Think about how, what if Stalin lived a thousand years? Think about how corrupt uh, things would be. I, I think our, our species would have been eradicated a long time ago. Uh, and certainly before the flood, the avenue for the Messiah got so narrow, there was, there was one man. One righteous man, Scripture says, not his sons and not their wives. Scripture says there was one righteous man on the planet. That's a pretty narrow avenue. So God had to intervene. He put a bunch of his children in time out to sleep. And they will eventually, and, and because he put them to sleep, doesn't mean, and he did that in as loving a manner as possible. Okay, the earth wasn't instantly covered by water. It happened over some time. Think about think about someone living at elevation, and they they start experiencing rain, and they 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 went and listened to Noah, and they thought he makes a compelling point, but I, I'm I'm just not sure. I. I the idea of getting on that boat with all those animals, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not so sure. I don't know about that. I'm going home. And the rain comes, and he sees the valley flooding, and the flood, the flood waters start rising. That person may have had a, a change of heart. Noah's right. I, and he gives his heart to the Lord. 
We don't know that the because they died in the flood doesn't mean that they're not going to be saved. There could have been some seven-year-old child who wants wants to get who's convicted in their heart. Holy Spirit convicts them. Dad, I want to get on the boat. No, you're not going to embarrass me by getting on that boat. Stay there. We don't know. So just because they drown in the flood doesn't mean that they're eternally lost. But each of those people that drown in the flood will be resurrected one day, and they will come out of the grave with their same same current of thoughts, same character, same behaviors as when they drown. When they saw all the animals going in, I don't know why some didn't follow. I mean, animals just don't do that by themselves. It was certainly powerful evidence that what uh, Noah was telling was um, worth listening to, but it wasn't powerful. wasn't wasn't powerful enough for those who had already corrupted their minds and had already rejected his message, and they were there just to watch the spectacle. Well, I wondered if the whole earth was populated at the time, how people on the other side of the world heard his message. Well, we don't we don't know if the whole earth was populated. In fact, we don't know what the earth looked like. I suspect that the continents that we have now happened as a result of the flood. I think the flood was that that serious an event that it actually broke up continents and moved them. You have to remember that the people at that time, before the flood, they lived like a 600, 500 years. So they passed from people to people, you know, person and generation. This is the reason that they knew it. And the sad thing that Jesus said that it's like a time of Noah will be when Jesus will become. So people just don't believe in God and eat all the stuff. This will be our situation, our situation now. Well, when Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man, he's talking about the... The Scripture tells us what the state of humanity was before the flood. People's minds had thoughts of violence all the time. Okay? Nothing but violence and selfishness. And... I th- we certainly see that trending now. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question that things will be will just like the, the nature of humanity will be just like it was before the flood. You know, I had an interesting conversation with my dad about this this week, and it's it's hard to wrap your head around because you think if the Garden of Eden is right there and there's angels and you're seeing the power of God still on earth, Yep. But you have your scientists, your religious leaders that have all told you, no, nah, you got to be careful. Don't go near that because that's where violence happens or whatever they've skewed it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, they had so much evidence sitting in front of them and stories from their grandparents, Adam and Eve, yeah. telling them about the goodness and the mistake they made. And still that corruption happened. That's right. When we look at the experience of the Antediluvians, or we look at the experience of the children of Israel, the children of Israel in the their wilderness and their sojourn from Egypt, it's easy for us to think those clowns. How, how do they behave that way? We wouldn't do that. Here we are. A question from the lesson. I think we're still in Monday's lesson. 
what can the certainty that, quote, God is love tell us about the nature of his creative activities? Okay, why, what indeed? The lesson goes on to list three implications of love and creation. That one, love cannot exist in or of itself. It must be expressed. And this is accurate. Love, love is a, an outworking of a principle. It's not just a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Love is actively seeking the best interest of, of the other or the others. All that God does is an expression of his infinite love. Creation, redemption, and, quote, punitive judgments. And the lesson quoted uh, Desire of Ages, page 262, for support of that. God's love has been, has been expressed in his justice no less than in his mercy. Justice is the foundation of his throne and the fruit of his love. Okay, now, is there anything amiss about that statement? I don't see any punitive judgment. Thank you. Whenever we hear the word justice, many of our minds automatically go to human justice, which is an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, etc., etc. But scriptural justice, God's justice, is what? What is, what is the definition of justice? Doing what is right. Why? Because it's right. Okay? That's what God's definition of justice is. Okay? And and then if you under if you correctly understand justice, then what's love? An expression of his justice. It's doing what's right for others. It's doing what's best for others. At least once a week, I, I have a conversation with a patient, and 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 I, I try I try my best to kind of bring bring some of these things into to what I'm doing, working on a knee or shoulder or back or whatever. And invariably, someone will say, "Well, yeah, God's love, but He's also just," and it opens up a door. We can we can unpack some of these definitions about love and justice. Rightly understood, love and justice look the same when God when God does it. They look different when you have a law lens that God's law functions like human laws. When law when you have a design law lens, then then love and justice harmonize perfectly. And okay, so the third implication is that since God is love, He cannot be the source of sin or evil. And I, again, I, I think this is uh, well said as well. But is love the only reason that God created, specifically created Earth and humanity? Is that the only? Is love the only reason? Just because He wanted some more company, or was there something else going on? What else was going on at that time that God created Earth? What was the state of the rest of the universe? It was a war. It was war in heaven. Evidently, the, the original plans for creation were before the war. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Why? And that's because Lucifer wasn't invited to that particular uh, conversation between the three gods. But why, why were the plans in place to begin with? Well, God knew. God, for- God has foreknowledge. Thank you. That's in the Godhead, including Michael. They knew what Lucifer was going to do. They knew what was going to have to be done with him and his 
his minions, and they knew that they were going to have to create a species in their own image, and they they started laying plans because they knew they knew what was going to happen. No wonder they didn't want Lucifer in in those plans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that's funny. I I don't think that's why they excluded him. It's. <laughs> I mean, Tim's given the analogy that, uh, okay, so I have, I have three dogs. Okay. And when my girlfriend and I decide what we're going to have for dinner, I don't include the dogs in that decision. <laughs> Why? Because they have nothing to offer. Have a different palate. <laughs> yes, they, they they have they have nothing to contribute to the decision about what to have for dinner or where to go on vacation, or they, they they're wonderful. I love my dogs, but but they're not they're not humans. Even though I often talk to them that way <laughs> and i swear that they're listening he cannot create he is a he is a finite created being he had a beginning yeah it was a plan to create the earth and he had nothing to offer those uh, those councils on on creating humanity yes sir isn't some satan's uh directed attitudes toward us because uh, he knows that we're going to be created uh, higher than the angels uh, are you you're suggesting that some of his animosity towards humanity is yes. is because we were given certain godlike capabilities yeah. um yeah i i suppose i haven't asked him um, I, I, I suspect he's envious of our, our ability to procreate in order to bring our ability to bring forth life in our own image. You're, you're sitting next to your son. This, you, you and your wife made a decision to, to have a child and drew the result. Uh, so you, I think there is some envy there. I think there's some envy that Adam and Eve were given dominion over the earth. They were given their own, their own world to govern as they saw fit in their free will and it was originally designed that they should be in harmony with God's design law of love which is why he he tried to attack that i mean he satan understood the the consequences of his of his um of his arguments in rebellion being refuted if adam and eve had, had not fallen and Ellen White says that he he specifically and personally chose he didn't delegate the temptation to one of his underlings. It was too important to get Adam and Eve to fall for his for his rebellion in order to trust that to one of his uh, lieutenants. He went and did it himself as the serpent. So so Monday's lesson: free will, the basis of love. In my, my personal opinion, this is just me, I think the law of liberty is one of, if not the most misunderstood of the design laws. Much of Christianity does not understand the law of liberty. What? Why does God, 
Why does God give pedophiles liberty to molest children? Because he does. He gives them that freedom. As disturbing as that sounds, God gives pedophiles the liberty to molest children. Why does he give a high school the liberty to take a, a, a rifle into a, a school and shoot up his classmates? God gives him the liberty to do that. Why? That's all involved in showing what kind of character Lucifer has and those that follow him, worship him, members of his, uh, citizens of his kingdom. Okay, it is diagnostic, certainly. It's diagnostic of the pedophile. It's diagnostic of the, the school shooter. And it's diagnostic of the, their, their, uh, the one they quote worship. And, and the question that's plagued us all, why, why knowing the end from the beginning, why did he create Lucifer in the first place? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> because he knew it would happen, whether it was Lucifer or someone else, it was inevitable. Well, I'm not so sure about that. So. I'm not so sure it was inevitable. Um, <sighs> that's, a big, that's a big question. Uh, uh, I think if you create free choice, and people don't see the consequence of your free choice and the importance and the value that your your choices have there's always a risk if you don't understand consequences to someone as they're developing their character okay so there's risk but uh, but risk is not inevitable that's what i mean by inevitable is there was there's a risk of it and god knew there was the risk and so I think he believed it, he knew it was inevitable because he knew the beginning for the end from the beginning. Okay, so so God knew Lucifer would rebel. I can't, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that at all. Um, he it out his mind too. He knew that well. If I don't create Lucifer and have all the evidence and have him being in the middle, because he could have relegated him to a back corner of of the heavenly, you know, pot cleaning section of the kitchen, versus having him right there in the councils and seeing everything that was happening. But that evidence that laid out really solidified that all everything had been given to Lucifer to see everything, and even with everything, still made a choice to go the other direction. But isn't this great? Sin had never come, had never been any place in the universe. How do you think up something that you don't know anything about? It's never been. I mean, it's a good question, and I. No, we won't know until we get to heaven. Later, well, I don't think we'll... That's the mystery. It's, yeah, it's a mystery. Uh, so later on, hopefully we'll get there. Uh, because there, there's a quote from Ellen White that says that when, when um, at the White Throne Judgment, when, when the originator of rebellion and, and down to the last center, when they're confronted with why have you... Um, why have you not followed the the design law of God? There will be silence. They will have no explanation, no reason, no justification whatsoever for it. There is none. So I I don't know how and why the mystery of rebellion. I I've thought long and hard about it. I've tried to justify it many times. But God did know the seed was in him. I mean, he had the foreknowledge that 
Well, I don't think a seed was in him. I, God knew God knew that he would rebel, but he wasn't created with a seed of rebellion in him. Scripture says he was perfect in all his ways, and and this this brings together this brings another contrast between Lucifer. Was Lucifer created perfect, or was he just created sinless, like Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve were created sinless, but not perfect. They had to develop the perfect perfection of character. Lucifer, uh, scripture says Lucifer was perfect in all of his ways until iniquity was found in him. Well, God knew that this was going to happen. He must have allowed it to happen for the good of us and all the other universes that are out there. Uh, we won't understand it completely, but I think God does everything for us that he can. And so even though we're seeing an awful lot of bad stuff in this world, we will never be tempted to do what Lucifer's, you know, like that again. Or angels. He was an angel for pity's sakes, you know? Uh, they won't be temp- they won't have that seed of sin in them to do something like this when they see what it really caused. And it, the, the worst thing it caused was the way Jesus was crucified and, and tortured. Right. Sister White's quote says, from the beginning, God and Christ knew of the apostasy of Satan and of the fall of man through the deceptive power of the apostate. God did not ordain that sin should exist, but he foresaw its existence and made provisions to meet the terrible emergency. There you go. I think it's better than I could have said it. So, again, in Monday's lesson, the from the lesson, the origin and nature of sin are mysteries and no one can fully explain. Even so, God did not ordain sin to exist. He only allowed its existence. And then, at the cross, took upon himself the ultimate punishment for that sin, thus enabling him, ultimately, to eradicate it. In all our painful musings about evil, we must never forget that God himself paid the highest price for the existence of sin and of evil, and that he has suffered more from it than any of us ever will. All right, so how would you explain that paragraph? to someone who asks questions about it. Because I think it's, it's loaded with with meat. And there's some poison in it as well. Any thoughts? Well, I think, you know, as a parent, if you're the parent and the creator of everybody, imagine how painful it is every time you see one of your children die. Yeah. Or you see a leaf fall. Yeah, from the beauty that you made, right? And so that's just continual, continual, continual pain that you're feeling as you're seeing your creation and your babies deteriorating and fall apart. I I think that's part of the meat in the paragraph. But did God take? Did Christ take upon Himself the ultimate punishment for sin? Yes, because if you look at punishment as death, he experienced death. He didn't see, he committed his spirit to to God and said, you know, it's finished. I I feel the complete separation from you. This is, that's... So what 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 does scripture define as the, the, quote, punishment for sin or the end result of sin? Punishment or consequence. Consequence. Consequence of sin. Not punishment. It's total, it's complete death. It's the non-existence that is described as second death. 
Christ didn't die the second death. Uh, in fact, I don't think Christ died the first death. Christ's death was unique. But if you look at Romans, what, 8 and 9, what, is, what happens is God gives him up and lets him go. Well, he gave Jesus up and let him go. He experienced that separation from his father. He did? But but is that is that God's punishment for sin? Does God punish sin, or does sin provide its own punishment? Yes. Right. Sin provides its own. Sin pays its own wage, and Christ was sinless. So sin couldn't have paid the wage. He gave up his life, and God let him go in order to in order to show humanity the results of sin even though Christ was sinless he took upon our he took upon himself our nature our sin our our carnal nature and he eradicated it he he wrote a different dna into that he he and then he he now provides uh, that correct that that uh, original design nobility as a gift to us so it wasn't just to it wasn't just the moral influence theory which we're accused of teaching that that we we see uh how how beautiful his life was and we see that he gave up his life and God withheld his his life giving uh glory and then Jesus ultimately died and then we're influenced to follow a better path no God uh, Christ eradicated the the tendency for selfishness in the human mindset and in his human in his humanity he he volunteered he, he gave up his life and didn't use his divine powers or his human powers to keep those from killing him that would all right we got a bunch of hands and then we're gonna have to wrap based it based on what you just said a minute ago and now what you just said there about jesus's suffering so if he knew that lucifer was going to do this they knew it from the beginning then they he could have stopped his own suffering from happen happening by never creating him in the first place, which would have made him self-centered. Which would have made God self-centered had he said, well, this is going to happen and I'm going to have to do this yeah. to correct my, you know, give my children a correct view of myself, uh, or provide the remedy, then he would have been self-motivated by alleviating his own suffering i've never considered that it's, it's an interesting point <laughs> yeah you say that you didn't pay the price in one way price in your your place i didn't say he didn't pay a price he paid a, he paid a dear price oh i said he wasn't punished god didn't punish christ on the cross yeah he didn't suffer the punishment of sin okay i understand do you suppose that Satan thought, okay, God is, God is dead. Now I can do it. Now I can be the God. No, I don't. Uh, I, I think that uh, the instant that, that, I think Satan thought, I really think Satan thought that, that Christ would use his power to, um, to save himself. And then he would have been right. When, when Christ yielded up his life, he said, it is finished. Satan knew that he, he, the mask had been torn away, that he, he no longer had the sympathies of those in heaven. The great controversy really started in heaven, and even the angels aren't secure with 
until they saw what happened to the cross. So they, the issue was still there, and God is using humanity to teach a lesson how God is uh, can be trusted. One more, Margie. Well, I was just thinking about Christ. Yes, he did pay the price for our sins because he was sinless. But Mrs. White speaks of him not being able to see through the portals as he died. He couldn't even see through the portals of sin. So he experienced the same death. So when when she says he couldn't see through the portals of the tomb, then how how did he tell his disciples numerous times, I'm going to give up my life and in three days I'll be resurrected? Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. I think he believed that when he said that. I mean, he knew that was true. But I think when the actual experience of the dying on the cross, and he felt that separation from God. Oh, yes, I, absolutely. I, I think it was, it was terrible for him. But he, but he knew he knew God's design law because he was the designer of it. And he knew that... Restoring humanity back to its original design mobility, nobility, then death, then life was the only thing that could happen. Resurrection was the only outcome of that. So if he slept temporarily, that's how he could predict accurately that destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. If, if I, how many of you are, are, um, have the gift of prophecy? Anybody? Uh, you all do. If I drop this watch, what's going to happen? Yeah, we can accurately predict how long, based on the height, we can accurately predict within a millionth of a second how long it will take to hit the floor because we know the law of gravity. Christ knew the law of love and the law of restoration, the law of giving, the law of liberty, and, and all those laws. That's how he could accurately predict what would happen. Even though he couldn't... He didn't have uh, ability to see the future as a as a human. We got to wrap up here. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your Son. And difficult as it is to acknowledge the gift of the first sleep that we know is death, um, we thank you for everything that you do for us, the things that we know about and the things that we have no clue about. You're constantly giving to support uh, life and liberty, and truth, and freedom. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.